Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Colleen Avis, an integrative life coach, author, entrepreneur, and owner of Subtle Shifts, a personalized coaching program. Colleen passionately guides others in their journey to feel their best and live a harmonious, balanced life. For many years, she has been guiding others in gaining clarity and focus about their lives, expanding their creativity, and discovering solutions to life's challenges. Her approach embraces the whole person and she believes our mind, body, and soul are beautifully intertwined. Colleen is a certified Chopra life coach, primordial sound meditation and mindfulness guide, Ayurveda practitioner, not sure if I said that right, yoga medicine yoga teacher, and NLP practitioner. Her new book, Sacred Spaces, Subtle Shifts for Mind, Body, and Home Transformation, helps readers understand what's possible and learn how to develop strategies for living a full, gorgeous, and satisfying life. Colleen, thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh, Claire, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you and grateful for the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Your organization is so, so important. And I I always think of our bones as our internal scaffolding you know, protecting our vital organs and storing minerals and all those good juicy things and communicating with this whole system, our bodies of strength and support and mobility. So preparing to join you today and your audience really reminded me of all these important pieces. So I'm really excited to be here. Well, this has been a really important topic and we've talked about it a lot on staff. Mm -hmm as we all sort of tried to navigate through the COVID crisis and everything that came with it and how disruptive it was to our lives and to our beings. And so we've been talking about mindfulness and we've been talking about its role in health. And so I was so excited then when you and I kind of reconnected with the launch of your book. And then I said, I know someone who could talk about this topic. Let's get Colleen on. So we're really, really excited to be here and and have you with us. So let's start off by talking a little bit more about your path and how you became an integrative life coach and what led you to where you are now. Yeah. Uh, You know, like so many others, my path to this moment took many turns and twists (laughs) required many encounters with bumps and potholes, as I like to say, as well as opportunities in life that led me to my coaching work. What I know is that I love supporting others as they define and build spaces that they love to live in, whether it's their home, their mind, or their body. And that journey for me really started retrospectively. I don't think I realized this in the moment when I was like five years old, my parents were flipping houses and my job would be to like wipe down the stove or sweep the floor and 
I remember thinking like when they come in to look at this house, they're going to buy it because the front of the fridge is so shiny, you know, like I've created a space that they, they're going to love. And, you know, as time went by and I'm no longer five, yet I still have this really deep passion for the spaces that people live in. And I kind of bumped and potholed my way along and started an interior design business many years ago that was about helping people in their spaces. And as people invited me into the, the intimacy of their spaces, I thought, this really isn't about the new linens on the bed. This really isn't about the new kitchen table. Yeah. It's about the yeah. fact that people feel really good when their spaces feel good. And so my own trauma about 10 years ago, pretty much a midlife crisis that had me on the kitchen floor, found me studying mindfulness. And it was really that my own trauma and studying meditation where I was like, wait a minute, it's the house, it's the mind, it's the body, it's the soul. And as I learned to find that path in my own journey, I realized I really love humans. <laughs> I want yeah. everyone to divinely feel this way or at least be on this path. And, and really, really, that's it. It's not that, maybe not that exciting, you know, just kind yeah. of being mindful and aware of my own little journey and steps and wanting to be able to share that with people. Well, yeah, but then, you know, obviously, I think, right, we all might think of that, but you took the, the necessary <laughs> steps to kind of pursue that, which is really interesting. It's also interesting, though, because I think this whole topic has become much more talked about, much more um, in front and center in the last 10 years, you know, like as you've gone through that journey, because, you know, I don't recall talking about this in high school or even college. And then you know, certainly in the last 10 years, that whole idea of meditation and, and, and I think mental health in general, and then also the mind-body connection and how our psychological health, our spiritual health, and like you said, our environment impacts our health dramatically. And I think more people are studying that on the scientific side and more of us are exploring it, you know, through, through coaches like you. Um, so I think, you know, kudos to you for actually taking that experience and making something really beautiful out of it, mm. which is also leads me to my the next point and kudos to you and all of the other people who shared their experience in your new book, mm. Sacred Spaces, Subtle Shifts for Mind, Body and Home Transformation. So talk a little, explain to our readers what, what the impetus of the book is and what it's about a little bit. Yeah. So thank you for that. And I'll, on behalf of all the authors, I'll say thank you because it really is a labor of love and a more of a community that's come together supporting each other because writing a vulnerable story that is potentially available for anyone in the world to read is really more of a healing journey for that author sometimes, <laughs> right? It's like, whoa, did I decide to put that out there? So Sacred Spaces, Subtle Shifts for Mind, Body, Home really has grown into more of a passion and a mission in life for me. The books specifically are a collaboration of 20 to 24 stories written really from a a vulnerable place by authors that are inspired by similar things to me to help people live their best life, love the spaces they live in. Many of the authors are first-time writers. So you're really getting an edited story from the sense of professionalism, right? We try to spell things correctly, but it's really raw and genuine set of experiences that these authors share. And each chapter offers that authentic story often a challenging moment or a pivotal moment in their life where retrospectively they're like, hmm, learn something from that. Someone's 
life that they're sharing with you. And the chapters end, each chapter ends with a practice or a tool that that author has used to help them grow and evolve through some of that transformational experience or what I like to call the sticky experience. And so my mission for these books is for the reader to see themselves in someone else's story or be inspired by someone else's story or feel connected, less lonely, motivated to see that they too are divinely, I truly mean that, divinely entitled to live their best life. So yeah, Sacred Spaces is really about seeing that you are the sacred space, you know? Yeah, yeah. It does everything that you said that you set out. I think because you said that I think the stories can be relatable and inspiring and, you know, it said appreciate the vulnerability mm. that the author is sharing, but also realizing how relatable we are. And I think what you said about, oh, oh my God, did I actually say that out loud? You know, did I put that out there? But sometimes that can, like, like you said, transformational for the person who's writing it, but also for the reader, because it is that, look, life is hard. Things happen. We all take on things that we never thought we might have to deal with, good or bad, right? Sometimes the good can surprise you just as much and send you into a tailspin. (laughs) I think sometimes it's a bad. So it's the idea of, wow, this is a very common experiences. We all have challenges. We all have things we work through. And then I love the tool thing again, like, okay, well, here's how I sort of managed that and went beyond that. And so it's, like I said, I think it's just a lovely collaboration and I encourage everybody, we'll have links to it with this podcast, but I think it would be really helpful for people to sort of, you know, use that as another tool. And we're going to talk a little bit more with you in depth about, you know, how do we put some of these things in practice? But I think that book is a great tool to start with. It certainly made me think more about how I approach situations and how I handle situations. And so I think that's really terrific. Mm, thank you, Claire. <laughs> So developing mindfulness and really kind of the topic that we want to focus on today, for many, osteoporosis can be really just a devastating diagnosis because there's so many unknowns. And I think anybody who has a chronic disease can relate to that. There's so many stressors that come up. We need help navigating it and the challenging emotions that come with that. And that it's for, you know, health issues, but it's any big life change. I'm Cognizant now too that so many people have you know sent children back to school and for some people they're empty nesters for the first time and for the rest of us it's just unfortunately kind of scary to send your kid to school these days even you know so there are so many things we knew and we all could use strategies to kind of help manage that so can you talk a little bit about what mindfulness is and then how you use it to help people manage stress or promote healing yeah sure. It was funny when you were asking me the previous question or responding to the previous question, it was like this perfect transition into mindfulness for me because I want to say I believe, but I'm actually going to say it a little bit strongly, more strongly. I know that we all need to make our own decisions in what we need or how we can use mindfulness or meditation or breathing practices in a way that is unique to ourselves. So I'm sure this is even true with osteoporosis, right? Like there's a diagnosis, but it's different for every single person right? How everybody feels about sending their kid back to school. It's different for every single person. And while we all have those differences, and I am speaking about being mindful of that right now, right? The awareness of that, 
we are also unified by so many similarities. The fact that we have a difference and we're aware of that difference is actually something that can also be quite similar, right? So I just practiced a bit of mindfulness there in thinking positively and being aware of how being in connection as a human being is actually more important than trying to isolate and be different. So just a simple, subtle thought there. For me, mindfulness is really all about meeting individuals where they are to support their unique needs. And I I would love for everyone else to think that first of themselves and then maybe of their children or loved ones. and, And then we can expand out to the rest of the world. But that being said, mindfulness is about developing, just to be really clear, mindfulness is about developing an awareness around what you are doing. Life is busy. Life is full. Things are coming at us constantly. And add to that a serious disease or health challenge, and it only gets more complicated. So this is why mindfulness can really be so incredibly powerful. When we're paying full attention to something, we begin to change or we can choose to begin to change the pace and notice and honor where we are in some of those situations. And when we do that, when we slow down, even the intentionality of my voice Mm -hmm. in slowing down in this moment is to say, I want to really make sure I'm bringing clarity to this point. And so when we do that for ourselves, slowing down and paying attention and bringing awareness, we bring clarity. And most of the time, we make a response that's more positive, quote unquote, positive, right? right? So when we think about mindfulness, it really is about that awareness, that focus, and that decision to be clear. I mean, here's an example, like, and for everyone that might be listening also, Claire, is, you know, when's the last time you slowed down to notice what the air feels like on your skin or the smell of the fresh morning air? When did you just simply smell or feel or sense something. And if you took a second, even right now, pause the podcast or whatever, and just closed your eyes and took a mindful moment to pause and slow down and be aware, no judgment, just what do you notice? Yeah. It shifts our state. So when when we change that pace to do that and notice and become aware, we give ourselves a moment, a sacred space to hear and listen more deeply to ourselves So mindfulness is about shifting pace, slowing down, being intentional, being focused. That's really helpful. Well, a couple of things I was thinking as you said that. One, it's when we think about being present, right? So that's another way that people present it. Is that similar then? You know, when we say be present in the moment is, I mean, I think that's probably more beyond a moment, but sort of in a a period of time being present. But yeah, well, I love what you're saying there because you are taking some information you just heard. You're being mindful of what you heard and you're thinking, well, how does that apply to me? Or how might that apply to the listener? And that's the beauty of mindfulness. It's where would this support me? Where can I curiously listen? Mm -hmm. Where can I be in a pause to get curious about how I can invite myself to come from a place of clarity? Because when we cram everything into a space, we're Half the time we don't even well, know. You've heard me talk. <laughs> <laughs> we have met before, haven't we? We know we know each other. But just, you know, I'm sure other people are giggling because they're thinking, oh yeah, I know someone where I do that too. And it's like, what if you actually stopped and listened? I, I think listening really is the most powerful, mindful activity. Be- and listening to absorb 
and hear our own self, our heartbeat, our own awareness versus listening to try to respond, to be creative or to buy, be the smartest person in the room, right? It's like, no, like from, how do I really feel? How does that really hit me, right? What senses are coming up? And so mindful, you know, being yeah. aware. Yeah, that presently is, uh, being mindful. Mm-hmm. You can practice, that is so important to practice all the time. And I, I share this as <laughs> something that I've been trying to work on. But as you said, listening with the intent of being able to respond versus listening, my problem as a PR person for 20 plus years was when I met someone, I would instantly forget their name because I was so conscious of saying my name, like introducing myself and then getting to the next point that I wanted to share with the person, you know, ask the question or engage that I'm telling you nine times out of 10, I walk away going, what was that person's name? Right. And that strikes me as a way, again, that I am not being mindful and I really need to slow down, which people tell me ad nauseum, you know, but really working on that. But as a thinking tool, that's really interesting to me. I love what you say there, though, because someone can practice. What's here is beautiful about mindfulness. It's free and everyone has access to it at any moment. So different than perhaps a practice where you might need to close your eyes or do deep breathing or whatever. And people might know. You could be in the grocery store and be pushing the cart down the aisle, feel the intensity, anxiety, stress, worry, whatever might be coming up, physical pain, right? And you could say to yourself, I'm going to practice being mindful of where I am, what aisle I'm in, how my feet feel when they strike the ground, the temperature of the cart, how it feels to lift my hand up and grab a box of cereal or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. What are the sounds I'm hearing? Who can I hear? You know. And just being like in connection with your senses in your body, it's so simple. We can do it while we're driving. We can do it, you know. I love that. That's great. Well, that kind of answers my next question, but I think mm. it leads to mm. another tool is what, you know, the difference between mindfulness and then meditation. Mm. Yeah. Kind of, so you've got a good definition of mindfulness. So can you, can you take us through the meditation part? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to do that mindfully. <laughs> You know, in meditation, we have a very specific purpose to set a specific focus. And I know I just said, be aware of the hand on the grocery cart or aware of the feet, but there's, you know, different things are coming at us, right? Different noises, different sensations. In meditation, we're really focusing on what I like to call like a repetition or a journey of something specific we're taking ourselves on. So like a mantra, like repeating something or a visualization practice. But here's the thing. I don't actually like to get that caught up in what we call mindful or meditation because I think most people would agree kind of to what I just shared, right? That meditation is more of a structured practice around finding a mantra or a very specific focus for a certain amount of time where you sit down and and have a practice in that way versus mindfulness being I'm going to spend 30 seconds holding my coffee cup and just smelling the coffee every morning to ground and center myself. That would be more of like a mindfulness practice. But like I said, mindfulness, meditation, maybe the meditation experts of, you know, ancestry of meditation would say, oh, that's not right. But I think it's really about the practice that works for you as an individual. 
And so, yes, there's a difference. And yes, there's a lot of opportunity out there. But we could also throw in breath work, right? We could throw in walks with nature. We could talk in a really deep, meaning conversation with a girlfriend where we're helping one another heal. And who's to say that those practices are not as powerful? And lots of times for me personally, it's a combo. Mm -hmm. right? It's like a walk in nature where I allow myself to settle, get connected, have some mindfulness, smell that, you know, that like mossy, dewy pine smell. And then I'll sit someplace and repeat a mantra. And so lots of times I'm combining the two kind of depends on where I am in the day. So I say that because I don't want anyone to feel like it has to be this way, or it has to be that way to prevent someone from beginning to get started, you know? Yeah. Like just well, that start. was the <laughs> next question. Your advice is for people to get started, but mm. you said it. It's what's that saying? Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it right? simple. Like, yeah, yeah. Without the stupid part, okay, keep it simple. Silly. <laughs> yeah. Silly. I mean, yeah. my advice really around that. There are a couple. Like I hate to say, like you don't have to be that structured, and then give you a whole bunch of structure. But people like that, right? I like that. So here's what I would say: the first thing is go easy with yourself and start where you are. If you have never meditated before and you're curious about it and you sit down and Google up a mantra online and decide to sit with it in stillness and repeat your mantra and that doesn't feel good or you sat too long or you didn't sit long enough, try something else, right? So spend a few days kind of getting curious about what works or what feels good for you. Once you've kind of settled into that or gotten close, be consistent. You know, so once you've picked something every day, for a few moments each day, for a couple of weeks, or the best you can over that span of time, be consistent with a practice that you've chosen to come to. If you miss, you don't judge yourself and beat yourself. Oh my God, I failed. I can't meditate. See, no, it's okay. Well, something got in the way and you you try again because meditation is not about beating ourselves up. And then there is a bit of trust that needs to come into this. Anybody that's listening to this probably knows that even Western medicine and science has caught up to the benefits of meditation, mindfulness, breath work, and presence. So trust that, right? Get out of the intellect about like, well, what if this, what if that? How about just try it, right? Just trust the process. And honestly, like all new things, they take time. So if I said to all of us on the phone or on the podcast right now, hey, tomorrow we'll all meet back here and we'll hold a plank for five minutes. Everyone would not show up. (laughs) Because everyone would say, I can't do that. If I said, come tomorrow and for the next six months, we're all going to work together to do a five second plank that we slowly build on each day, practicing, adjusting, finding what works for us, knees up, knees down on our forearms. People would say, oh, okay, I can try that. And in six months, people would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm holding a 45 second plank or a eight minute Mm -hmm. plank or whatever is capable for them because we applied some consistency and showed up. So, and then the last thing is, you know, you can hire a guide. You can hire someone that can actually support you and help you. You can get on YouTube and have accountability. I think friend groups and pulling together a community because accountability and support really helps. Who's ever been on a diet and it's gone better when they're with a friend. So go easy with yourself, be consistent, trust the benefits, right? Yeah. Take the time and maybe love yourself a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> that's great and it, you're right I think even just doing it a couple of times people will start to realize that that it helps and we can talk more about that as we especially as we go into my next questions about yoga and stuff but I found breathing techniques and you know something that I never focused on 
And then when I did, and I tried to practice it, I realized I could get myself out of an escalating emotional situation (laughs) that I would normally just react to the emotional situation and struggle with that to now thinking, I'm just going to breathe and see if this does anything. And when it did, it literally felt like a miracle practice. And I kept thinking, why didn't I do about this before? Why didn't I try this before? But you said, you got to stop, you know, like they say, shitting on yourself. I should have, I should have. There's no shitting on yourself. Just try. And then, like you said, see how it works. So I think all of these tools and techniques are so important. And as you said, sometimes you combine them and sometimes you just do one or two. So I'd like to talk a little bit next about like physicality and Mm -hmm. mindfulness and meditation. So yoga is a physical practice that, you know, includes a strong focus and that focus on your breath and awareness. It can be really good for balance and strength and flexibility for people with osteoporosis, but obviously it does things to help with the mind too. So how does that, you know, physical things like yoga or Tai Chi or things that are active support mindfulness? Yes. The answer is yes. (laughs) Right? Because what I hear you saying is movement of the body. So people will say, just like in mindfulness or meditation, they'll say, well, I can't do that because, and then insert some limiting belief about themselves. And when we talk about yoga, specifically the poses of yoga, the asana of yoga, the movement of yoga, that just like mindfulness and meditation should be approached from where you are in that moment right? So there's chair yoga. There's, you know, just simply sitting where you are right now, take a deep breath in, bring your hands up and over your head, exhale, release, right? So I'm saying that because we look at yoga journal and all, and and I do the same thing, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to get myself in that pretzel. And it's really not about that. To your point, it's this integration of how our different spaces can influence one another. And so all of our spaces matter. All of the spaces matter. There is a sacredness in the mind, the body, and the home. And so yoga, the asanas, the poses can really offer us, and you said this so beautifully, a focus and a stability, a mindfulness while offering patience, maybe some laughter, right? Have you ever been trying to be in like a balanced pose in yoga and you're trying to build strength and balance and you're all serious in your mind, like this is strength and flexible and so do all these things and you start laughing and then you're frustrated with yourself because you didn't balance. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, the primordial value of laughter (laughs) might actually be exactly what you needed in that moment. And so they're so intertwined, you know, it's important being mindful of what's happening and releasing any attachment to this needs to happen faster. It needs to look a certain way. So when it comes to yoga for me, Finding a yoga that works for you. You know, yoga means union, coming into community with yourself and obviously with others. But just as we're all meditators, we're all yogis. And if we measure and judge ourselves against the magazine or the TV, you know, we got to drop that comparison. And so I, I do think that if mindfulness or meditation and the busyness of the mind feels like, ah, not sure if I can do that an invitation to bring yourself in yoga, movement of the body, walking as a place to be mindful and present of it. So you might not want to go for a walk with your dog, right? 
because there's a takeaway from that. So if you decide to use movement of the body or yoga, chair or mat, even if you only think you can focus in that space for five minutes, be present, to use your words, with the intention of being in that mindful, calm, present state for what reason? Clarity, focus, strength, health, flexibility of not just the body, but also of the mind. Yeah, and the I think soul. It's so, and the soul. <laughs> like yeah. this. So helpful to think of it that way, though, you know, because we, you do, we think about the structure and if you're not doing the poses right and, you know, all of those kinds of things, but, or for many, you know, people with osteoporosis, they can't do, you know, it's not safe to do some of the yoga poses. And we have tons of information on our website about how to do it safely because the benefits that come with that time of doing yoga, even if you can't do all of the positions, is not that's not the worry or the focus. Like you said, there's benefits to it just by incorporating the physicality of it into what you're doing. And so letting people know they can still do these things. Yes, it has structure, but you know, who's keeping track if you're you know, if you're doing all of the poses, for example, right? Or if you're not twisting on this one pose kind of stuff. I find I just I just started doing Tai Chi. And part of that was the slowing down. I've always admired it when I've seen people do it. Now, there's a structure. And I'm really lucky that the the practice I'm going through is really showing us how each movement should be done and, you know, positioning and and stuff like that. And then, you know, getting into the flow so that you kind of do it automatically. But I find really better than the movement part. And I'm surprised how much it feels like, oh, I feel looser after I've done it. It is, I'm concentrating on what comes next in the move and that I'm doing the hand movement right and then my feet are right. And that to me is relaxation. Mm-hmm. And so finding something like that that works for people, I think is really important. And you can start with five seconds, like you said, of grounding and, and being you know, quiet for a little bit, which is just so incredible. So I know that there's a lot of specific questions we probably have for, you know, people would have about, you know, how to get started and what to do and stuff like that. And we've covered, you know, several of the things here, which I love, but is there something that we, we haven't talked about that you'd like to share that would kind of help people on this path? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think you said really beautifully, Claire, is there's a simplicity about these practices that can be there if we choose, right? Your Tai Chi practice, you're choosing to not beat yourself up because you don't look like a Tai Chi master. The Tai Chi masters probably feel the same way. And so that idea of going easy with yourself, you know, all the pieces are integrated. So it might be that adding stress to the process of trying to do Tai Chi or meditation, it's actually almost like negating the fact that you've shown up because you've only elevated your stress in order to try something that's supposed to be peaceful and easy. So when people come to me and say, well, I need to meditate for 30 minutes every day, when they're already telling me they don't have enough time in their day, I'm like, how about we start with 30 seconds? How about we win? How about we set ourselves up for a win? And so whether we're talking about the mind, the body, the home, or the soul, they're so beautifully intertwined. So wherever you decide to make a shift, wherever you decide to try something and get curious, know that you are affecting way more than just that place that you think you are. So if you think you're building strength in your bicep, also know you're building resilience in your mind type of thing. I like to say a mess under the bed is a mess in the mind. You know, (laughs) 
they're all intertwined and you know it, you know, the closet at your house right now that you wish wasn't such a hot mess. Right. And so trust that you are making a shift, even a subtle one, and that it's affecting and benefiting many pieces of you. And if there was anything I could say to everyone and be like, just start because we tend to procrastinate because we're afraid that we won't get it right. And by procrastinating, we miss out on beginning and learning and growing. And you're not alone. I also procrastinate a few things, right? And so Mm -hmm. we're all feeling this way or we have at some point. So build your support system for yourself and getting yourself started where soloing it doesn't feel so, so difficult. I offer a 30-minute discovery call. Um, You're welcome. Anyone is welcome to call me and set up a time and ask a specific question or I love noodling with people like how to get something unique for them. On my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. I'm going to be doing a seven-day, I'm not calling it a challenge because I don't want it to feel intense. It's a practice, seven days of just practicing some subtle shifts around mindfulness. So yeah, find your team, find your squad, lean in, please call, reach out, get started and know you're not alone, right? It's like, that's hard. It is. It's hard, but it doesn't have to be. And, it doesn't and that's have why to be. I'm taking the time to kind of go over that with everyone. And we'll provide links to what you mentioned, um, you know, your website, information about the seven day practice. And all of that is free, by the yes. way. Colleen is really out there to, to support people and get you on your journey to living healthier, more mindful lives. So we really appreciate that. And I know that. I have like a million other questions, Colleen. So we'll have you back on another podcast to talk about this topic a little bit more. But I'm so glad that we could get started, as you said, with this discussion and bringing this topic to people so they can learn more and then figure out if it's right for them. So again, Colleen, thank you so much for joining me today. We really appreciate that you are here to share your wonderful insight on developing a mindful practice and your knowledge about yoga and benefit of physical and spiritual health. As I mentioned, we'll have links to Colleen's book, as well as to the resources that BHOF has available on our website. All will be available on bonetalk.org. And as always, for more information about how you can keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit our website at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, I know I did, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share it with your friends and family, because I really do believe that so many of the things that we talk about on this podcast are not just relevant to people who are trying to manage their osteoporosis, but also relevant to people as we're just going through our daily lives. So thanks again, Colleen, for being here. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.